Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me on another solo sode of the Red Light Report. And today we're going to jump into some research because it's been a while. Last week was a nice overview of the many benefits, potential benefits of of methylene blue. And we're going to talk about some methylene blue here shortly as it relates to research, because I think it's great to know the benefits, but it's also great to know what the research says straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And so it's been quite some time between the interviews and last week's solo sode on, on methylene blue. It's been a while since we've we've talked about some research. So again, we'll talk about some methylene blue here shortly, and then we'll get into some photo biomodulation research. And yeah, we're we're at the end of October already. We're about to hit into the colder part of the season, November, December here. And already up here in Montana, we <laughs> we had our last quote unquote nice days uh, where it was sunny and in the 60s, low 70s. Uh, it's been a beautiful fall here relative to some years because because the fall is pretty condensed up here in Montana. I mean, sometimes fall can last as short as a couple of weeks, like where the where the leaves start changing colors to when they're falling off trees. So this year's been nature's been been nice to us. It's it's been a nice extended fall. It's been a nice long extended changing of colors. So it's great, and I appreciate that. So thank you, Montana. You, you've made the, the fall of 2023 beautiful and enjoyable. But of course, at the tail end of the beauty comes the overcast and gloomy and gray skies, at least up here in the north, which means this is the time of the year I start to crank up my red light therapy a little more. I kind of have a seasonality to my red light therapy. I'm relatively consistent because I'm especially active in in the summer, doing a lot of trail running, playing a lot of basketball and doing a lot of yoga and other fitness stuff. So I do red light therapy to kind of help with the recovery and kind of just help with the fitness and exercise side of things. But especially when we get into these gloomy months, right about now until the middle of April, the end of April, sometimes into May quite a bit, where we have this overcast and gloomy and lack of sunlight, then I really do increase my amount of red light therapy treatments per week. Again, it doesn't take a lot to get... uh, the benefits you're looking for, but I definitely do buckle down uh, between red light therapy, some infrared sauna, using some PEMF mat. This year, you know, utilizing that bio blue to kind of amplify the benefits with red light therapy and other mitochondrial boosting properties, and especially in the winter, um, as we talked about last week with the benefits of red light therapy, methylene blue is amazing as far as getting you out of that depressive, that anxious, that stress mode in your brain, which can partly be secondary to poor circulation, poor energy production in the mitochondria. So even if I'm just taking methylene blue on a consistent basis, I'll be curious to see how I'm feeling towards the middle and end of this winter. Of course, I'll still be using red light therapy like I do, but with that synergistic benefit with methylene blue, I'll be curious to see if I can kind of stave off and mitigate the SAD, the SAD, seasonal affective disorder symptoms because last winter I got hit hard towards the middle and end of winter because we had an early and harsh winter up here. And so it was just long and extended and it was just brutal. So by the end, mentally, I was not in a place where I would prefer to be. So again, just kind of curious to see what difference 
this methylene blue, this, this bio blue product will do in those regards. Because again, most of that methylene blue accumulates in the brain, thus you're going to have increased energy, increased mitochondrial function. So I would expect, I mean, it's not going to be this uh, end-all be-all remedy because there's still going to be a lack of sunlight, but probably mitigate some of those symptoms with, with increased energy in the brain, increased mood, increased ability, that type of a thing. So perhaps as we get later into winter, I'll keep you guys updated as to what I notice in terms of that, because I know a lot of people, even not necessarily in the higher latitudes, but uh, I mean, it doesn't take much sun deprivation to kind of get a little SAD, if you will. So hey, we'll see what happens. But regardless, let's jump into the research. And this first article, I mean, this is hot off the press, and, and we're talking methylene blue here. Uh, this came out last month, actually less than a month ago, September 28th last month in the Frontier Pharmacology. It's entitled Methylene Blue in Anti-Cancer Photodynamic Therapy, Systematic Review of Preclinical Studies. So just jumping into the intro here, it goes on to say, Oncology seems to be a promising area for methylene blue use thanks to its pronounced photosensitizing action that results in the disruption of pathological cells under the influence of light. This effect occurs because of the photothiazine, sorry if I butchered that, uh, pharmacists, chromophore. So this chromophore absorbs the light in the range of wavelengths from 630 to 680 nanometers. So just dead center in, in the middle of that red the visible red light. And, and this leads to the generation of reactive oxygen species and the following cell death. Furthermore, methylene blue selectively accumulates in cancer cells. And I'll say this again, methylene blue selectively accumulates in cancer cells. And, and you probably heard me say this multiple times, both on last week's solo soda, but when I was talking with David Horanek, that one of the cool properties of methylene blue is its innate sense to go and help the cells that need it most. So if you have active, not necessarily active, but if you have cancerous or cancer-like cells or tumors, the methylene blue is going to go and help those first before it goes and helps other more healthy cells. So that's a very big take-home point whenever we're talking about or thinking about methylene blue. It selectively helps the cells that need it most first. There are several clinical guidelines for photodynamic anti-cancer therapy, including the management of skin, pulmonary, esophageal, and cervical cancer. However, methylene blue is not treated as an active pharmaceutical ingredient in these guidelines. At the same time, to date, the anti-cancer properties of methylene blue has received attention in the research literature. Surprisingly, systematic understanding of how effective photodynamic therapy with methylene blue is against different types of cancer is still lacking. Therefore, the aim of this systematic review was to evaluate the efficacy of methylene blue in anti-cancer photodynamic therapy in animal models of different oncological diseases. Okay, so, so now let's dig into the results of this uh, systematic review. And of course, a systematic review is they're looking at all the available research on the topic they're concerned about, which they just outlined in the introduction. So let's look at some of the research that they detailed based on the articles they found. So a study in 2015 demonstrated 
a complete response in 55% of patients with basal cell carcinoma during six sessions of photodynamic therapy with methylene blue. At the same time, another study back in 2018 reported that methylene blue did not inhibit osteosarcoma growth in mice. So in spite of the conflicting data, the results of our systematic review show the pronounced efficacy of methylene blue in anti-cancer photodynamic therapy against colorectal tumor, carcinoma, and melanoma. Also, it may inhibit the development of breast cancer since during the photodynamic therapy with methylene blue, the tumor growth was significantly lower than in control groups in several preclinical studies. The reasons of the different efficacies of the treatment in various types of cancer are not clear since the mechanism of action did not change. It could conceivably be hypothesized that the bioavailability of methylene blue in different target tissues is not equal and this results in different intensities of pharmacological effect. The studies used innovative nanopharmaceutics to optimize the bioavailability of methylene blue. So just moving along to the conclusion here, it's relatively short systematic review, but good information nonetheless. So again, the conclusion goes on to say, in general, the observed results of the systematic review supported our suggestions that photodynamic therapy with methylene blue helps against different types of cancer. Despite a modest decrease in tumor size in breast cancer, the results of colorectal tumor, carcinoma, and melanoma treatment were promising. So long story short, this is kind of cool on two fronts, ladies and gentlemen. First off, we're talking about photodynamic therapy, which is red light therapy, specifically the red wavelength, which is what the methylene blue is synergistic with. Well, guys, BioLite has what's called bundles. So simply go to the BioLite website, BioLite.shop, go into products, and there will be a tab for bundles. With each of these bundles, there's three of them, you save 20% off on the entire package. For example, we have the Beauty Bundle, which includes a Shine and Stand, a Guardian Plus, and the Longev Revive Cream. So that bundle of three products, you save 20% off the entire package. There's the Recovery Bundle. That includes the Recharge Plus Panel, the Guardian Mouthpiece, and then the Longev recover cream and that recover cream is just like the revive cream except it has added cbd oil infused into it that package of three items all comes at 20 percent off and then the last bundle which is the most versatile bundle in the sense that you get to pick and choose what products you want you get to pick and choose from the recharge plus panel the restore plus panel or the matrix full body mat and then you get to choose between the guardian and guardian plus and then you get to choose between the revive and the recover cream it also includes the shine and stand so you get to choose between black and silver by purchasing those four products in the ultimate bundle you save 20% off all of the products you also save 20% off shipping so literally the entire package and shipping is 20% off so if you're ever needing some red light therapy products and are looking for a discount just remember the bundles are always 20% off 365 days a year no coupon code necessary so first off we're talking about the benefits of cancer with photodynamic therapy, i.e. red light therapy, but then also this second adjunct that seems to be beneficial in fighting cancer as well in methylene blue. And I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but the synergistic benefits we know of when you combine red light therapy 
and methylene blue. And this study is, is certainly outlining that there does seem to be a trend in the positive direction with, with uh, namely, you know, a handful of different cancers. So I'm sure as, as time goes on, and remember, this article was published uh, less than four weeks ago. So as the research continues to come out, I'm, I think we're going to see more and more types of cancer that respond positively to red light therapy combined with methylene blue. So I wanted to throw this at you guys just to expose you to uh, the, the potential that we have with fighting cancer with these very safe and effective modalities in red light therapy and methylene blue. So just keep that in mind. Of course, this is not medical advice. This is just giving uh, you information and, and educating you on what is out there and the potential and information that we're learning from this research. So if this is a topic that is in your forefront or of your concern, like in the present moment, whether it's yourself or friends or family, then please do your due diligence and go um, find some more information on this topic as it relates to cancer and, and these quote-unquote alternative therapies, I'd argue very safe, very effective, minimal to no negative side effects. So this this would personally be one of my first go-tos if I was dealing with a sickness or a disease, or if I had a family member or a close friend that wanted my recommendation, these two things, red light therapy and methylene blue, would be at the very, very top of my list of things they should look into or, or highly consider because of their their high potential and their very low risk. So as you guys hear me say all the time, low risk, high reward. And certainly trying these types of remedies early on in the process before you have to get to the heavy-duty, pharmaceutical, toxic path that uh, you would otherwise find in the allopathic world. So, hey, if this stuff works, why not try it? And I know I'm preaching to the choir on this one, but if you're not dealing with any cancer or disease, of course, I would hazard a guess that if you're into red light therapy and this whole side of the health and wellness world, you're probably pretty proactive and uh, put health on a on a high priority list. So you're probably doing a lot of things in your life to de-stress, you know, eat well, exercise, move, meditation, those types of things to kind of stave off or, or prevent from diseases and cancers from even occurring. And so again, on top of recommending these two modalities, I'm calling them, uh, to people who have active sickness, by all means, use these two same treatment options as a preventative measure, because we know, again, by boosting mitochondrial health and energy production, you're going to uh, stave off disease and cancers and sickness. As good as they are at repairing and healing and regenerating, they work equally as well as a preventative measure. So both red light therapy and methylene blue have my blessing. But keeping with the theme of, of cancer... So let's switch modes from methylene blue plus red light therapy, i.e. photodynamic therapy, and let's move to strictly red light therapy because this is a topic and a question I get a lot is, you know, what's what's the take home with red light therapy and cancer? Because we know red light therapy can promote um, circulation, it can help with energy production, it can help with all these things, and it's like, do you want to feed the beast of cancer? And so... Of course, the answer today has been that you can use red light therapy, but just not on an active cancer site because 
Um, it could be beneficial, but it could be harmful. So we want to be careful with how uh, we recommend using red light therapy and, and cancer. But as you just heard in that previous article, they're, they're using it in conjunction with methylene blue and seeing amazing results. So now let's look at this article, which literally came out a week ago at the time of this recording. This article was released October 17th, 2023. So this one is piping hot off the press. And it's entitled Photobiomodulation in the Prevention and the Management of Side Effects of Cancer Treatments, Bases, Results, and Perspectives. And as you can imagine with this being so fresh and new, I can't get the full article, but I do have a pretty healthy abstract here. Uh, so let's just quickly go into the background. And they, they say that the background is Assess the current and potential indications of photobiomodulation therapy and their level of evidence in the prevention or treatment of side effects related to oncology treatments, such as radiation treatments. And also report on the recommended modalities, such as the parameters and doses of photobiomodulation therapy. And so just to clarify, as, as you heard in the background and the title, this isn't about treating active cancers but the side effect of cancer treatments. And of course, that's where a lot of the, uh, the research is coming from, like oral mucositis, uh, head, neck, and throat radiation or, or cancer, and just treating the side effects of the chemotherapy and the radiation. But moving along here, with materials and methods, some of the key words they looked at, of course, photobiomodulation, low-level laser therapy, and of course, looking at oral mucositis, acute dysphagia, dermatitis, xerostomia, osteoradionecrosis, radiation-induced fibrosis, things of that nature. So again, side effects of cancer treatments. And so just jumping straight to the results here, because that's, that's, all, <laughs> that's all we're left with, they go on to say that photobiomodulation in the red or infrared spectrum has been shown to be effective in randomized control trials in the prevention and management of certain complications related to radiotherapy, in particular, acute mucositis, epitheliitis, back-to-back eyes, epitheliitis, and upper limb lymphedema. The level of evidence associated with photobiomodulation has heterogeneous but overall remained moderate. The main limitations were the diversity and the lack of precision of the treatment protocols, which could compromise the efficiency and reproducibility of the results of the photobiomodulation. For other effects related to chemoradiation therapy, such as um, osteonecrosis, peripheral neuropathy, alopecia, other effects related to the chemotherapy and hemopoietic stem cell transplantation, Treatment with photobiomodulation suffers from a lack of studies or limited studies at the origin of a weakened level of proof. However, based on these results, it was possible to establish safe practice parameters and doses of photobiomodulation. So really, not too much new news. I mean, once again, we're seeing research or, or studies that are saying red light therapy looks promising, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Yet, we need more precise protocols <laughs> so, so that we can have this be more reproducible for, for people out in the real world. So it kind of just blows my mind that we're still all these years later and the available research 
doesn't elucidate the specific parameters, meaning what wavelengths did you use? What was the light irradiance of your device? Uh, how many joules or, or what was the dosage, your overall dosage of your treatment? How many times per week did you do or how many times per day? And then how many times per week did you do it? So those seem like very, very basic parameters that apparently are still being uh, uh, left out in, in some of the uh, uh, research, which again, makes it tough for us to reproduce or, or even report what a potential protocol could look like for successful. And, and even more importantly, or equally importantly, is what is a protocol for an unsuccessful treatment look like? Because uh, that's equally as important. We need to know what's not successful so that we don't replicate that and, and have a, uh, a poor outcome or, or a null outcome. The conclusion, published data suggests that photobiomodulation could therefore be considered as supportive care in its own right for patients treated with radiation, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, hormone therapy, or targeted therapies, whether in clinical practice or clinical trials. However, until solid data have been published on its long-term safety, the use of photobiomodulation should be considered with caution and within the recommended parameters and doses, particularly when practiced in areas of known or possible tumors. In this case, the patient should be informed of the theoretical benefits and risks of photobiomodulation in order to obtain informed consent before treatment. So kind of a lot of word salad there, but, but also some good take-home points that we have already reiterated here. We know that there is some great potential for red light therapy as far as it's related to supportive care when dealing with cancer treatments or the negative side effects of cancer treatments. But still, we need more precise data. We need more precise protocols so we can provide those to whether that's the patient or the physician or, or whomever that's going to be using the red light therapy. And also, uh, we still can't be using red light therapy directly on tumors. And, and there needs to be some education around that if the patient's going to be using red light therapy at home to treat themselves. But that's easy enough. I mean, basically, don't treat your active cancer site and you can treat everything else around it. I mean, it's relatively as simple as that. And we're just going to have to wait for, for more research to come out. We're still in this learning, growing phase of red light therapy, especially in this cancer arena. So again, we just need more abundance of research, more precise protocols so we can move the ball forward and give people like you guys listening a more precise answer so that it's more more useful and, and more applicable. But with that being said, we do know from, from reading specific articles, or I should say articles on specific cancer-related conditions, some of them do outline the wavelength. Some of them do outline some dosages. So, so it is out there, but again, we just need more accumulation of studies to build up a stronger base to build from before giving strong recommendations. But again, it's going to happen in time, and, and we're just going to have to wait to see how that all plays out. Moving along here to our third article, and this one is the hottest off the press, as it was released about six days ago at the time of this recording. Uh, and this one has to do with a topic that, that gets a lot of questions, and, that, and that's adipose tissue, or, or, or losing fat, and how red light therapy plays a role there. Um, this article is entitled, Photobiomodulation Therapy with Light-Emitting Diode, in stimulating adipose tissue mitochondria. So this, this article combines both of our favorite topics, red light therapy and, and looking at mitochondria specifically. And as you can imagine, once again, 
This is so fresh, I only have the abstract, but, but still, we can glean quite a bit of information from here. So they go on to say, low-level laser therapy, or LLLT, is known for its ability to induce a photochemical process primarily targeting mitochondria, a process referred to as photobiomodulation. Recently, its use has been attributed as an adjunct in obesity treatment to stimulate lipolysis and apoptosis, or, or um, um, fat loss and, and cell death. However, the pathway of stimulation remains uncertain. Thus, the objective of this study was to understand whether mitochondrial stimulation occurs in adipose tissue cells after photobiomodulation therapy, which could lead to the processes of lipolysis and apoptosis. So a non-randomized clinical trial was conducted using a split abdomen design in obese women who received red and infrared LED photobiomodulation therapy. The patients underwent bariatric surgery and adipose tissue samples were collected for immunohistochemical analysis with primary mitochondrial antibodies. So, the adipose tissue samples subjected to LED intervention exhibited positively in mitochondrial antibodies for cyclic AMP, DRP1, FAS, FIS1, FM, or FN2, and OPA1. You probably didn't need to know that. Compared to the control group. So in conclusion, we observed that photobiomodulation therapy was capable of generating mitochondrial stimulation in adipose tissue cells as evidenced by positive antibody signals. This finding suggests that mitochondrial stimulation could be the mechanism and action underlying adipose tissue lipolysis and apoptosis. And so just a quick review on lipolysis, that is a metabolic pathway through which lipid triglycerides are hydrolyzed into uh, a glycerol and, and free fatty acids. And so it is used to mobilize stored energy or fat during fasting or exercise and, and usually occurs in fat adipocytes. So lipolysis is basically the freeing of, of those triglycerides and, and then they can be burned off in, as free fatty acids. And so that's what this red light therapy is doing to the fat cells. I mean, if you remember way back to the beginning of the red light report and, and I reviewed a lot of the benefits of red light therapy and we got to, to, to fat loss, uh, we knew that it was a potential and that red light therapy likely helped, but the mechanism was kind of all over the place. We didn't really know how that was possible or how it worked. And so now with this article, again, it came out less than a week ago, it's saying that the red and near infrared stimulates the mitochondria, which leads to increased lipolysis and apoptosis. So I think that's pretty darn interesting. So not only do we know that red light therapy can help with fat loss or adipose tissue reduction, but now we know how and why that works. And, and once again, it comes down to our friends, the mitochondria. They're kind of the engines that are stirring the, the triglycerides out of the, the fat cells and basically liberating the triglyceride into the bloodstream as free fatty acids so we can burn it off as energy. And so again, when you combine red light therapy with exercise, or if you take it a step farther and you exercise in a fasted state 
with red light therapy. Or if you want to take it a step farther, (laughs) hear me out. You exercise in a fasted state 30 to 60 minutes after taking some methylene blue, such as BioBlue, and then you exercise while in front of the red and near infrared light. I mean, that is essentially the best fat burning mechanism or or fat burning uh, regimen you could have. So I triple dog dare, especially you, you fitness enthusiasts or those that are looking to lose some extra weight. I mean, it's always beach season, right? <laughs> so, so give that a try. Um, exercise in a fasted state post uh, methylene blue consumption, 30 to 60 minutes and do it in front of your red light therapy apparatus and see what you notice if you do that on a consistent basis. Because just to harken back to some of that uh, early red light therapy fat loss studies, one of the studies was comparing females who were exercising on stationary cycles. And so they were doing the exact same thing. The only difference was half of the ladies were doing it, you know, just on their stationary bikes, and the other half were doing it while in front of infrared light. Well, lo and behold, uh, the conclusion of the study is that the women who exercised in front of the infrared light on the stationary bicycles lost 400% more fat than the females or the ladies that were just exercising stationary bike, sans red light therapy. So, I mean, the research is there, the proof is in the pudding, but again, if you start to stack some of these things, uh, such as being fasted, such as taking some methylene blue, um, another one I would add is grains of paradise. So go look that one up. That's another one if you consume it prior to exercise, it's a thermogenic, so it stimulates fat burning through the activation of the brown adipose tissue, essentially by increasing the total amount of calories your body burns while exercising. So again, it's very synergistic with any type of physical activity, just like any thermogenic, but it's a safe, natural, again, it's it's from a grain, it's grains of paradise again. Uh, go look it up. I, and I first learned about that one from Sean Wells, and I've been using it ever since as far as prior to my exercise. I, I just take it in a dropper form and throw it in some water. Uh, and drink it. And so I've been doing that one on a pretty consistent basis the past couple of years. I even do it before I do sauna therapy or infrared sauna, just because if I'm going to be increasing my heart rate, you know, already sweating, why not throw some grains of paradise on that to amplify the benefits? It's not like I'm I'm a large person trying to lose a lot of weight. I, again, I just do it more prophylactically or or just like preventative of accumulating more fat. So for me, I'm, I didn't notice anything drastic. I just do it based on the research and based on what people like Sean Wells and others kind of promote based on the research they've been reading. So yeah, go ahead and try that one. See what you notice and, and report back to me if you so choose to. I'd be interested to see the other types of results people are noticing. And again, try that quad effect of exercising fasted in a fasted state with some methylene blue and then in front of some red light therapy because I think that's the ultimate winner, winner chicken dinner. And if you're like me, I put my methylene blue in water to kind of dilute it. And so, again, if you're going to be exercising, it's very simple just to add some grains of paradise into that same glass of water. It would actually probably mute the uh, distaste some people may have with methylene blue. But uh, enough of that. Let's move along to uh, some of our closing thoughts here, so to speak. David, not that long ago, sent me a couple of articles to read because we were going back and forth about some stuff. And he, like he, like he alluded to on the podcast, was doing some like tree circuitry where he touches two trees 
while he is grounded in the middle of them for those profound energetic voltage-raising benefits. And so he sent me an article uh, from the University of Washington. It's from 2009, but it's pretty interesting. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll, I'll just read some some of the highlights here to give you some insight into to what uh, David's kind of excited about. It's entitled, Electrical Circuit Runs Entirely Off Power in Trees. And so these electrical engineers at um, the University of Washington, along with an undergrad student, uh, demonstrate that a circuit runs entirely off tree power. So the custom circuit is able to store up enough voltage from trees to run a low power sensor. You've heard of flower power. What about tree power? It turns out that there that it's there in small but measurable quantities. There's enough power in trees for University of Washington researchers to run an electronic circuit according to the results to be published in an upcoming issue of a magazine. And here's a quote from the co-author. As far as we know, this is the first peer-reviewed paper of someone powering something entirely by sticking electrodes into a tree. A study last year from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, or MIT, found that plants generate a voltage of up to 200 millivolts when one electrode is placed in a plant and the other in the surrounding soil. Those researchers are working with a company, VoltTree, that holds patents for circuits to exploit their new power source. The UW team sought to further academic research in the field of tree power by building circuits to run off that energy. They successfully ran a custom circuit solely off tree power. And then they continue lower on uh, down in the article that tree power is unlikely to replace solar power for most applications, uh, one of the authors admits. But the system could provide a low-cost option for powering tree sensors that might be used to detect environmental conditions or forest fires. The electronic output could also be used to gauge a tree's health. Quote, it's not exactly established where these voltages come from, but there seems to be some signaling in trees similar to what happens in the human body, but with slower speed. I'm interested in applying our results as a way of investigating what the tree is doing. When you go to the doctor, the first thing they measure is your pulse. We don't really have something similar for trees, end quote. And so I thought that was just kind of an interesting article. It really highlights David's point about him touching two trees like opposite or juxtaposed trees with his hands and potentially feet or just touching the trees with his hands and then barefoot into the ground in that whole tree circuit that's uh, created there. And so David just, he told me some stories about some of the feelings and raised voltages, raised vibrations that he's had while he's done that. So he's a major, major believer in it. And he's even sent me some videos of this tree circuitry that he and his compadres have done. So this whole tree circuitry therapy modality or whatever you want to call it is quite interesting and sounds like I need to head out to the forest and, and, <laughs> and test it for myself. But before we sign off here, I want to just read one last thing. And this comes from another article David sent me uh, at the exact same time he sent me that prior article from UW. Um, this one's entitled Ether, Vibration Everywhere, In the Beginning, Now, and Forever. And this is from positivehealth.com. It's, it's from February 2020. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a rather, it's not long, but it's it's got some length to it. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read really the first uh, little snippet here that is ironically um, 
taken from someone else's uh, LinkedIn <laughs> post. So uh, this is a roundabout way of getting to that person's article. But regardless, I, th I think it's a pretty uh, uh, cool little couple paragraphs here. So they go on to say that Nikola Tesla, arguably one of the world's greatest engineers, once said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration, end quote. The same holds true for the world in which we live, our interactions with each other, and indeed, our interactions within. What's most interesting is that if a frequency is vibrating fast enough, it's emitted as a sound, and if it is vibrating much faster, it is emitted as a color of light. If we wanted to convert sound to light, we would simply raise its frequency by 40 octaves. This results in a vibration in the trillions of cycles per second. So, if a pianist could press a key way above the 88 keys that exist on a piano, that key would produce light. This could create a chord of light in the same way they can create a chord of sound. And it would be seen as colors of light because it would be moving at the speed of light. So I'll just leave you guys with that thought. I mean, that's a lot to to kind of wrap your mind around. But just as far as this concept of the whole universe is energy and frequency and vibration, and all of our senses are essentially just perceiving different types of frequency. So sound, sight, touch, feel, taste, we all perceive these different frequencies based on those sensory organs. And this is a conversation for a whole other time. But really, this world we live in is frequencies, and we are just per perceiving these different frequencies via these different sensory organs. So very cool. I mean, it's kind of like a mind blower. I'm sure a lot of you already understand the concept and have, have, have known and thought and pontificated on it for quite some time. But I just think it's kind of an interesting thought to think about. And consciousness, that's a whole other topic. And that's a whole series of books I'm currently reading is on consciousness and, and what is it. And yeah, we'll save that conversation for another time. But I hope you found this information, th this research on the methylene blue photobiomodulation. We covered a lot of topics on, on, on cancer topics, took a little dive into the benefits of red light therapy on fat cells, and then just talked some good old fashioned, you know, vibration and energy and, and tree hugging. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. As always, if you can take a couple, uh, a quick few 30 seconds, just leave a quick five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That'd be greatly appreciated. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I'll see you guys on the next episode. And as always, light up your health. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.